That's not who you want to leave as Hershey knocks it down. Nayamori, Skywalker, hanging in the air for the deuce. Puller rises in and puts it back as he crashes to the ground. Landvik ahead, Central on the back end, plus the foul. Look at the speed by Landvik. To the rim, counted in the foul. Hoyleen to Fafala, the hoop and the harm. It's what we've waited for all season. The regular season has come and gone. Four teams remain on each side with an opportunity at glory, a chance to cement their place in history forever in UMAC basketball. This is the Unlike Any Other, the UMAC podcast. Wyatt Merrill, Ryan Mitchell, as always. And Ryan, you always tell me to enjoy the season, and we do. But let's be honest. This is why we play the games. This is what we wait for. It's for these opportunities come Wednesday night for these teams. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well, Wyatt. I can't complain. This is why you play the games, absolutely, is to play in even bigger games in the postseason where everything's on the line. Some teams feel like they've already been playing de facto playoff games. We'll get to that in our conversation tonight. But, Wyatt, we are in the peak of the February frenzy. I can't complain. Yeah, so what I think we should do is I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right into it. And what we're going to do with this one is a little bit different than what we've done all season. We're going to highlight some of the more important games from this past weekend that had playoff implications, and then we'll look ahead to the semifinal matchups on Wednesday night. We'll give you our predictions of those. We'll maybe talk about player of the year just quickly on each side, perhaps, things like that, and that's what we'll do for this one. If you have any comments for us, if you want to let us know where you're going to be watching from, on Wednesday night, who you're cheering for, what your predictions are, anything like that, comments, concerns, gripes, complaints, anything, you can let us know, uaotheumac at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or X, just look up, unlike any other, the UMAC, and you should find us on there as well. So let's jump into the women's side. As always, Ryan, we'll go ladies first. And heading into the weekend, we knew that Superior was going to be the one seed. Now, they hadn't won the regular season title outright quite yet. They technically could have tied with Morris, even though they had swept them in the regular season, but we knew the conference tournament was going to run through them, so their games weren't that important this weekend. On the flip side, we had a big one right away that I think we can talk about on Friday night. We were actually on the call for this one inside the Erickson Center. Coming into this matchup, Minnesota Morris was 9-3, and three, and the Eagles were one game behind them at 8-4 and four with an opportunity to earn a split on the season and potentially take the two seed from the Cougars. So it was a big game for both teams. They played like it was a big game. It was tightly contested all the way through a couple of big swings, which I know we'll get into here as we break it down. But Morris survives on the road 67-64 to 64 to secure the two seed. This is going to be a rematch of a semifinal on Wednesday night. So with what you saw between these two teams on Friday night, what is your th- initial thoughts looking back on this game? And did Northwestern maybe let one get away? Wow. A lot of great stuff there. Yes, they did let one get away because they were right there in the last few minutes at home. They shot the ball so well early. Their three ball faded a little bit down the stretch late in the third, especially in the fourth. Their number's not close to as good late in the game versus what they had in the first half. But that's credit to Morris, and they made more winning plays late. But I gladly sign up, Wyatt, for another matchup between these two teams less than a week later. 
We've said it in past years, going into a postseason tournament, you think about on the men's side last year, Northwestern seen superior again. This year it's Northwestern seen Morris again on the women's side. It's really hard to beat the same team three times. I know we're not previewing the game yet, but yep. I'm so looking forward to that one on Wednesday. Eagles did let one slip away because I think for large portions of this game, they played really well, but a game of runs. You said it on the call multiple times, Wyatt. Just when it felt like Northwestern was maybe getting a little breathing room and starting to feel comfortable, Cougars push back. They make a little adjustment. They get it going inside once more. I mean, I will never forget this game as far as being a breakout for Shelby Mortensen off the bench. She did not miss a shot for Morris, and that is probably the difference in this game. Eight of eight. She leads the way with 17 points. And then Maddie Grove, Wyatt, what a gamer. I mean, Coach yeah. Grove told you and I coming into the game on Thursday at practice, day before, she was probably 75%. Heavy swelling in that ankle throughout the week, but they were going to start her and then just play it from there and see how she's doing. You could tell early she didn't have that same burst. She wasn't as confident in her movement, but she made a huge bucket late on the baseline. They did just enough to win the ball game, and yet hurts for Northwestern, but the good news is the Eagles are saying we get to see him again. But obviously a huge win for Morris to secure that they will be playing that game out at Jim Gremmel's court not have to come back to the Twin Cities to see the Eagles once more in the Erickson Center. Yeah, I mean, you highlighted what I wanted to touch on right away, and it was that Shelby Mortensen was the difference maker down the stretch especially. When Morris needed a bucket, and I know Grove hit one late in this game that was huge as well over the top of the defense, but they were going to Mortensen inside and letting her just go to work. Eight for eight from the field, 17 points, just incredible coming off the bench and really the reason why they were able to be lifted over the Eagles, a couple of things that I didn't realize at the time when we were on the call, Ryan, Jay Quate had eight assists in this game to go along with four steals, just making winning plays, doing a little bit of everything. And then did you realize that Riley Hershey attempted 15, or not 15 threes, 13 threes yeah. rather in this game? I didn't yeah. realize that. Well, and it felt like at a certain point, Wyatt, the way the Eagle offense was working, they're trying to get her looks, and it just so happened that she was open. And when she's open and she's on – she made some early, and she you know, she struggled a little bit late. That's why the number doesn't look as good as it felt like it was for a lot of that evening in the Erickson Center where she finishes just 5 of the 13. But when it's in the flow of the offense, Riley won't hesitate. She'll let it go. And I'd have to go back and you know, shot chart every one of them, if you will. I think at least 10 or 11, if not all 12 or 13, were grade A looks. The Eagles were getting yeah. great looks all night long. It's just down the stretch. They didn't make as many of them, and that's why the door was open for Morris to go win the basketball game and give them credit because they did so. And you even remember why coming out of the timeout, I know you remember that play. Eagles about halfway between half court and um, I should say halfway between half court and the three-point line, excuse me. They inbound it into the corner. They had a shot blocker flying out at Sandro and someone coming off of her left as well. But she did get a clean look. Eagles went for the win, down two. This was, what, under 30 seconds? I'd have to look at the play-by-play. But yeah. good look, yep. couldn't hit it. But that kind of felt like a microcosm of what happened late to Northwestern. Good look from deep, but couldn't hit it. The Morris defense giving them what they wanted. Morris was content to let the Eagles shoot threes trying to get out to those shooters, and then Northwestern on the other side just had too tough of a time stopping the likes of Shelby Mortensen and Matty Grove getting downhill, getting into the purple. The other big sequence in this one, too, that the Eagles are going to have to clean up come Wednesday night. You remember the end of the first half, right, where the game was tied and there's like 30 seconds left. Yep. Morris scores. The Eagles come to come the other way. They 
turn it away, and then with like five seconds, Morris comes down coast to coast, and they get a layup. And all of a sudden, they're leading by four at halftime. Coach Call storms out, yes. just furious. Slams the door, yeah. Yeah, just just not happy. Coach it was kind Cove, of a sloppy way. On the other side, high five and both his assistants elated. It was yeah. it was a cool picture actually, with just how two guys look totally different going to halftime. Yeah. yeah, those are the kind of swings in playoff basketball that you gotta clean up if you're Northwestern. So I do think they kind of let one slip away, but you do got to give the Cougars credit. They made the winning plays. Mortensen was huge, and yeah, they they've earned the opportunity to play Northwestern on their home court on Wednesday night. So should be a fun one. We'll preview that a little bit later on. With the way it worked out, just so everybody's aware, by the way, Superior ends up thirteen and one. They get in as the one. Morris eleven and three as the two. Northwestern wins on Senior Day. Then after that loss to Morris to go to nine and five. Then we had a tie at fourth place. North Central Martin Luther Bethany were all seven and seven. Ryan and North Central through a tie-breaking procedure, ends up being the team that is selected, so they get the fourth. Speaking of North Central, it was not easy for them this weekend, though. How about them getting tested by Crown on Friday night and doing just enough to win that game? They don't win that one, Ryan. They're not playing on Wednesday night. Yeah, I go back to what we talked about last week, Wyatt, how tough of a weekend it was for them at home the weekend prior. Remember, they fall to Martin Luther, and then they fall to Bethany. And all of a sudden, what looked like an assured playoff team, now it's up in the air because they got Crown and Morris coming to their building the final weekend, and they got to do something to get in. This game was tight all the way down to the wire, lower scoring. Coach Tussler's club almost pull off. I was going to say shocker. Is it is that too far? Would you call that it, a shocker well, at that stage no, in the season? Probably, and again, we talked about it because Northwestern then played Crown on senior day. Crown is probably the best two-win team in the UMAC yes. in a long time, if not yes. in the history. Agreed. So they're more than capable, but it probably would have been the biggest upset of the year on the women's side, just looking at the record. So, yeah, it'd be a shocker. And, I mean, for Coach Zabala to lose to her old club in a spot like yep. that when her new club was rolling here this season, I mean, that, that would have been something else. They do what they need to. They hang on in that game. They lose against Morris. But, Wyatt, you know, the reason they got in is that big win that they had at Clark Danielson when we were starting to talk about, wow, I mean, this North Central team, again, could find themselves near the winner's circle, at least in that spot on championship weekend again because they were the only team to beat Superior, and they beat them by double digits on their home floor. And it's because of that win that they are going to the postseason tournament instead of BLC or MLC. Yeah, they're they're so perplexing to me because you're right, they beat Superior, but remember that was a day after Northwestern ran them out of the gym. So it's like Correct. feast or famine with this team. I, I have no idea what to think of North Central this year. But, yeah, that was the difference maker because they were able to beat Superior, hand them their only loss. They're in the UMAC postseason tournament on Wednesday night. How about Davenport hitting five threes in this game as well? I feel like that is what the difference will be if North Central pulls off an upset against Superior and is able to take this all the way. If they can hit the three-ball shot considering their size down low and what their bigs can do, I feel like that'll be the difference if North Central is going to have success. Yeah, I like that you mentioned the bigs because, you know, you've heard me multiple times off the mic, on the mic, the last few weeks mention Superior does not want to see North Central. We'll get to that matchup in a little bit, but I think it's going to start from KVP and Hola, and they didn't do a lot in this game against Crown. I mean, KVP, why it doesn't score. That's a big reason why they only won yeah. by two points. She only plays 19 minutes. 19. She only had yeah. one foul. Mm-hmm. Again, we were calling another game. I. I don't know what is totally behind that, but that is 
perplexing to say the least. And so you need somebody like Davenport to step up, Mabeneg as well to get into double figures, and not the path to victory I'm sure that Coach Zabla and her assistants were talking about heading in. But hey, you'll take a win any way you can get it. Yeah, so then the other two that ended up just missing out, Martin Luther and Bethany, they had an interesting weekend because they each had to play Superior, and that's not an easy task, but then they each had a matchup against Northland, and it went exactly the way we thought it would, Ryan, where they each beat Northland and they each fell to Superior, and the one game I really would want to get to, I guess, out of those matchups would be the Bethany-Superior game on Saturday because... Bethany not only needed to win this game, but they also would have needed North Central to lose, correct? Because North Central still would have had the tiebreaker, right? Yes, and in which they did. So if, if Bethany and they would did. have beat Superior on Saturday, they would have been in, but they didn't. Yes, but but they were unable to come up with it. And it was, this was a close game, right? I mean, Bethany, give them a ton of credit. This was a two-point game heading into the fourth quarter. You almost just wonder if they ran out of gas down the stretch. Yeah, that's a good question. And again, we didn't have time to to look back and go super deep on this game because we were calling another game at the same time. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a season. It could have, would have, should have if there's just one game here or there that Bethany had won. But I feel like they were still playing pretty good basketball down the stretch wide. I mean, they gave Superior a run for their money on their home floor. They gave Northwestern a run for their money on the road at the Erickson Center in a game that you and I saw last weekend. And so it hurts, but coming into the season, I mean, I don't know how upset you could be if you were a Vikings fan, especially after the tough non-conference slate that they had. I know they played a super tough schedule, but to rebound, bounce back, you get that early win against Northwestern, and then you go into the locker room against the Superior team. You're down five, but you come out guns blazing in the third quarter. You make this thing interesting going into the fourth, and then give a lot of credit to Superior for closing, Wyatt. That's what I was fascinated about. You already got the one locked up. Last day of the regular season, you don't want any injuries. I mean, are you a little surprised to look at this box score and see Elise Bessonin not stepping off the floor for a single minute? She puts up 24. You look at Charlotte Firstall, I mean, 21 points in 19 minutes. That is outrageous. They basically did what they normally do. (laughs) They didn't treat it any differently in a spot that Coach Carpenter obviously has never been in as a coach, but she had been in this spot as a player before, late in the season, one seed locked up. What do you do in that spot? Well, I was surprised. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to say something about this as well. I guess the answer is that Elise Bessonen, as we like to say, Ryan, is just built different. To play 40 minutes the entire season and to go for 24 like that, they're still trying to you know, clean things up maybe. They want to stay fresh on the court, not take any time off, so maybe that's what played into it. Should note, though, Morse did the exact same thing against North Central as well. You know, They had the two-seed locked up. And they played all their players like they normally would. There was no difference for them as well. So Coach Grove did the same exact thing. So, yeah, I guess these teams are saying we're not worried about the injury. We just want to play. And I don't fault them for that either. Play like you would so that when the tournament comes around, you don't miss a beat. So, I don't know. There's not really a right or wrong answer, I guess, unless somebody does get injured and then you second, you second guess yourself guess and, you're, yep. and you're thinking, yeah. But otherwise, it's it's fine and everybody looks to be healthy and everything went fine. So, yeah, it was interesting, but I don't fault either Morris or Superior for playing them like they did. Agreed, and it's such a quick turnaround. That may play into it, too, where we're already playing on Wednesday. You know, this isn't like the NFL playoffs or other playoffs where, oh, we get a bye and we get a week off or something. Like, you want to keep them fresh. I'm glad you mentioned it in that term because we got to get back out on the floor in just a few days. Honestly, by the time you get back, then you're back to class on Monday, and then all of a sudden we got to get off our feet some for Tuesday so we're ready for Wednesday. 
Yeah. And you can't have a slow start in that game, obviously. I mean, it's the postseason tournament. Yeah. So they, they know their club best. Yeah, no question. And we're not going to jump to the men's side yet, but Bethany did the same thing on the men's side. They played their guys on Saturday yep. against Superior, who's a very physical team, and that could very well be a rematch in the championship. But they were playing their guys like they would in any circumstance. So uh, any other games on the women's side you want to get to? I know Northwestern took care of business against Crown. It was a little interesting for a while. That game... Uh, was to guarantee that the Eagles were the three seed, even though I I don't want to get into all the tiebreakers, I guess, but uh, the win guaranteed it, even if they had lost, since all the other teams finished seven and seven, they would have been the three, but maybe there was a scenario they could have been the four. I don't really know. Yeah, I I don't know what else to add to that. I mean, they, they wanted a bounce back after losing to Morris the night before. Crown was up at the end of the first quarter. You and I were both in the gym. Fun game, compelling game. I mean, the most compelling game that you will ever see, I'm going to say point blank period, in the UMAC with a two-win team on the last day of the regular season playing another team on the road who could end up hoisting the hardware once again as conference tournament champions, and they gave them a run for their money. I mean, they forced Northwestern to step up their game in the third quarter to get that separation and then coast to the finish line in the fourth, but they tested them for a bit. Eagles shot it great, and we're going to talk about that in the matchup against Morris, but... They look so much more comfortable on open kickout threes and running their offense at home versus on the road. Not saying it can't be done on the road, but they look way more comfortable in the friendly confines, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But, yeah, Crown, Martin Luther, Bethany, all things to be encouraged about moving forward, I think, with what you have coming back, especially for Martin Luther and Bethany with how you finish the season. Some big upset wins that you had. Yeah, you didn't get into the postseason tournament, but if your coach – I was going to say Holtzeder. If your coach Garish or your coach Perfest – be encouraged about what your club did down the stretch this year and the momentum you have going into next year. Yeah, congrats to, to everybody that's not playing in the UMAC tournament on your seasons. And like you said, that includes Martin Luther, Bethany, uh, Northland, and Crown. And honestly, yeah, shout out to the Knights. The, the season that they had this year, Ryan, I, I think they deserve a ton of credit for the way they fought and the way they battled. And they were right there and just one more win away from a tournament appearance. I think it says a lot about the direction their program's heading in. And obviously we don't necessarily know for sure who's going to be all back yeah. next year, but let's say, let's say it is everybody that we expect coming back. I think there's a lot to like if you're the Knights. So uh, congrats on a great season for them and a good way to finish it off too, to win over Northland on senior day like that kind of wrap things up the right way. I'm sure they got to be very pleased with themselves. Agreed. There's more underclassmen headliners coming back for Bethany that we know, and then it's complicated with the COVID day and age. I have no idea with Heckendorf's and Nelson's and Paulson's yeah. and all them what they're planning on in the future, so I won't speculate. We were talking about that, actually, I think on Saturday when Northwestern was playing Crown, yep. and we're like, we're getting to the end of the COVID era, though, when you think yes. about it. There's only this is the last there's... year. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, next year it should officially be over, and we'll be back to seniors being seniors and juniors and sophomores, and everything should be back to the way it was. Correct. So like this year, you can have some fifth years that we've seen throughout the UMAC. And then a unique case for Northwestern, I'll be honest, egg on my face. I had no idea that Taylor Shuck and Riley Hershey were officially done. They're both still just juniors, but they're graduating in three. And they have no plans of coming back. And they could have two more years of eligibility, apparently. So anyway. So so to be clear, Shuck is graduating. I think Hershey, just being a nursing student, can't do it. Like their their schedule. Okay. With my wife, anyways, being a nurse, I know their schedule is just ridiculous like that last year. And, and I don't think it's possible for her to do both. So that's probably why she's she's wrapping it up. But um, 
anyways, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's it's interesting. Are you gonna miss the COVID era with players, you know, playing five, six years? Or are you happy we're getting back to the way it was? Yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that. You kind of stopped me in my tracks. I mean, I'll miss some parts of it as seeing some really good players come back. You know, we love seeing guys like, you know, we'll talk about the men's side, but like a, a Javon Walker getting an extra year. You think of 2K10 last year for Northwestern, Colin K. Colin, that's his younger brother. Uh, <laughs> He's still Kyle there. Yeah. Kyle Kamink. So many guys who you get to see play longer and gals on the same side as well for the women's side. You know, Megan McGow, you think of her coming back last year without COVID, that would have never been possible. And then she's a big reason why the Eagles win the regular season and postseason title in the UMAC last year. So there have been some good stories that have come out of it, I guess, to answer your question, Wyatt, in a long-winded way. But, you know, eventually this had to end, obviously. It's a, it's a four-year yeah. cycle. So, anyway. Very quickly, before we recap the men's side, uh, let's talk about Coach of the Year and Player of the Year on the women's side. I would assume yeah. we're both going to agree that Coach Carpenter is probably Coach of the Year. I mean, to go 13-1 and yes. one in just her second year, and even if they get bounced, let's say North Central does upset them on Wednesday night, she's Coach of the Year, right? Totally agree, and this may be too far, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think if they even approached, let's say hypothetically, Coach Grove or Coach Call, or even Coach Zabla, for that matter, to give it to them. They would say give it to her. I think they would say, <laughs> no, send it the way of Emily Carpenter. At least I yeah. hope they would because well, to do what she did, remarkable. I think the coaches do vote on it, so I'm I'm sure sure I'm sure they're all probably no shenanigans should happen. You're saying this should be pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Hey, speaking of shenanigans, get this. There's a word I guess, and it's called I gotta find it shenanigator. What? And it's a person who instigates shenanigans. I love it. I'm going to start be, to use that. Don't be a shenanigator, Ryan. That's an awesome word. We don't is, this, want that. is this Urban Dictionary? Is this official no. dictionary? What's going on? My my mom actually sent it to me, and you know what she said? She said, I think Ryan would appreciate this. And look at that. You said you loved it. So I guess she was right. So That's I a guess good one. I'm going to start I to use that. I guess we're good. But that's good. Anyways, we're on the same page there. Coach Carpenter should win. Coach of the Year, well-deserved. I mean, what a season for the Jackets. But it's a little bit more complicated, I think, for Player of the Year. To me, there's three options. I think you could give it to the reigning champ in Lexi Hagen. I think you could give it to who's going to be the freshman of the year and the newcomer, Maddie Grove. And I also think Elise Bessonen is in the conversation as well. Would you add anybody to that list? No, I wouldn't. I think those are the three that are in the conversation for sure. But now are you going to have to do the hard next step and be first to give what? your your actual player who you give I, it to? I can, yeah, I can go first if you'd like me to. I, I've had a really tough time. So they're all in the top four in scoring. They all shoot the ball really well. If you look at Besson and Hagen, they're right up there at the top in three-point field goal percentage. Uh, they're up there in field goal percentage. Bessonen is a league best in 92% at the free throw line. They contribute in other ways. Grove, by far, leads in scoring at 18.1 a game. It's really tough for me to try and sort this out and figure out who I want. You got to ask the question, do you give it to the best player on the best team? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think you there always is an ask argument. that question. It's a good question. There is an argument to be made there. That's maybe the one thing Bessonen has going for her. Honestly, though, Ryan, oh. I think I'd probably give it to Grove just based oh. on the elite scoring that she had. I know Hagen does so much too, and like she's in all these categories and different things, but I think her actually winning it already once, or has she won it twice? It's just been once, just last It's just year. that one time, right? Yeah. yeah, she didn't win it as a freshman. So 
Um, were we still, we were still in the Geisfeld era then, weren't we? That feels like forever ago. Yeah, but. yeah, because because two years ago I was trying to think of the championship because then I was trying to think of a player from Morris or North Central. I'm like, I don't think mm-hmm. any of them got it, and it's because Bethany got <laughs> yeah. beat in the semis by Mar- uh, Minnesota Morris, I should say. Yeah. So I, I actually think if you win it once, you almost have to be even better to win it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's the way I kind of look at it. And not that Hagen wasn't great again this year, but her numbers maybe not like pop off the page, let's say, just really consistent and just does her thing and is really tough. I'd pro- I honestly think it's it's either Grove or Bessonen, and I guess I would pick Grove, but I can see Bessonen getting it, and I wouldn't have any complaints because she has been a leader for that team that just went 13-1. and She's the second leading scorer. Like I said, she's extremely efficient, leading the conference in – three-point free throw percentage so I could see that argument as well for her but I'd probably give it to Grove I guess I think I'm gonna lean your way too and maybe it's just because she's a freshman and it's been like so like wow pop on the scene and you know Bessonen's been that as well I mean we kind of expected Lexi Hagen to have a good season once again this year and maybe she could have been a little better in some spots I mean I'll say that there's something she left on the table during this season but I mean you even look at what She's done defensively this year for Minnesota Morris. I think that's super impressive as well, even if it doesn't all show in the stat sheet. I think the eye test from what each one of these teams saw throughout this year for what she did in that zone next to Jay Quate at the top, don't get me wrong. Like, Jay Quate is for sure the best defender in this league. Is is that safe yeah, to say? Is she going to go back yeah, to back to I, back? <laughs> we didn't plan on picking the defender of the year either, but that's an easy enough one. I mean, she by far leads in steals per game. By the way, Right behind her in second place, her teammate Mallory Anderson. Well, and and so, look, look a little further down. That's why I bring it up. Maddie Grove had Grove. just over two yeah. per game, too. So I think she is truly a two-way player. And then yeah. big shots and big moments. There's no bigger game this season than they had last Friday night at the Erickson Center. She goes baseline. Eagles brain help defense over the top, leaning the other way. She's able to hit it. So in clutch moments, she was big. Cougars missed her, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, where they had you know, a loss or two that they might not have if Maddie Grove is on the floor. So as far as the best player on, you know, a team that really hurts when she's not in the lineup, the most valuable player, and then you widen that out to the whole conference, it's close. But I think my vote would be for Maddie Grove for those reasons. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And we don't even know if she was 100% this past weekend, Ryan, and that's what makes it even more impressive. So yep. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. It's it's kind of the opposite almost, I feel like, on the men's side, although I suppose Coach of the Year is probably Garvin for, for running the table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hard, hard to argue hard that. To and, then, yeah. and then I think we both think Nielsen's going to win it. We'll talk about that yeah. in a little bit. But let, let's actually flip to the men's side now and quickly recap the weekend that was. So with how the results shaped up, Bethany ends up running the table. They go 14-0. and They'll be the one seed superior, gets slotted in as the two at 9-5 and five because the three – North Central, who is nine and five, got swept by the Jackets in the regular season. So that's why they won the tiebreaker. And then believe it or not, Ryan, they started one and five in UMAC play. They win seven of their final eight league games. The Northwestern Eagles. They sneak in as the four seed at eight and six, and they don't miss the tournament. Coach Gross, twenty four years, never missed a UMAC tournament. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We'll talk more about the Eagles as we recap some of these games, but that is how it stands. Crown just misses out because they lose the winning in game, which we'll touch on on uh, Saturday. 
Morris ends up going 0-2 on the weekend. They finish 6-8, and and then Martin Luther 3-11, Northland 0-14. So going to Friday night, the big game's coming in to Friday night. That Crown North Central game was a big one, Ryan. It was an opportunity to kind of cement your spot in the field. There were still ways you could maybe miss out, let's say, had you uh, won that game, but it was an opportunity to really put yourself in a position where you were for sure going to be in. And North Central, 96 points, Ryan, on their home court. They have a big lead at halftime. Everything was clicking offensively for the Rams. I think we've questioned at times if they have enough firepower to win these kinds of games. They've proven us wrong. What a performance from the Rams on their home court. Yeah, Crown had some really nice defensive performances, Wyatt, earlier on in conference play when you look back. But down the stretch, um, their defense has hurt them. I don't don't know what, what other way around it other than that. And, you know, they've played some really good teams where it's tough to slow them down. I get that. But... You give up 84 to North Central in your own building at the WAC, and you knew it was going to be tough to keep them under 80. We talked about it going into this game when you go to North Central, and obviously it was nowhere close to that. I mean, we talk about the winners first, like you mentioned, so I'm glad you said that, and then you know we'll flip over to the other side when we're talking about um, Crown, excuse me. But, yeah, super impressive. I mean, it felt like there were so many games that we looked at this year for Coach Becker's squad and said, oh, is that the kind of North Central team we're going to see the rest of the year, and is that what's going to be their Achilles heel where they don't get in? Or, oh, wow, what a what a nice performance at Northwestern. Then you almost beat Superior the next day. What a weekend that they had. I actually think, you know, they're going to be really good. Like, I, I kept going back and forth on them. I couldn't get a great read on them is basically what I'm saying with all this. Yeah. But to finish the season the way that they did, and we'll talk about their result on Saturday in a little bit, just an awesome coaching job from Coach Becker because no one just screams off the page, and I mean that as a compliment to North Central. Like, you don't know night in, night out who's just going to totally take the team on his shoulders and lift him to victory when some teams need that from time to time. North Central just said it's it's going to be a collective effort. I mean, look no further than Friday night. You got 16, 15, 15, 11, and then Carrington McNeil leading the way with an awesome game, probably the best game he's had all season long considering the circumstances too. I know he fouled out, but 25-7 and seven for him to lead them to a victory, massive. And, you know, Crown has had difficulty slowing people down. You're thinking maybe is it going to change in a big spot like this? Nope, North Central ready to go from home. And I don't know what it is, Wyatt, but the last few years it feels like they have been – kind of a sore and crown side, like just a matchup that crown hasn't liked. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And the defense definitely is what's disappointing when you look back on the season for the pollers and the way they've let some of these games slip away. And with the way they started too, Ryan, to not make the UMAC tournament, that's just got to kill some of those guys that came back for this type of a season, this type of moment. And they just came up short again. I mean, give credit to Buckner he did literally everything he could put the team on his back he goes for 44 it's a school record he was 18 of 26 from the field but the story was the same Friday night as it would be on Saturday they just didn't hit the three shot Ryan the three ball just left him at the wrong time yeah absolutely Wyatt and I'm glad you mentioned how hot of a start they had they were five and one yeah Northwestern was one and five after those two teams walked off that floor on January the 19th Northwestern is going to the postseason, Crown is not. The next day, they fell to North Central at home, and then I don't want to say that it was just totally lost from there, but you know, it, it did become different. Then they lose to Morris, then they lose to Bethany, and you pick up a couple wins to keep you know the boat afloat, if you will, against Martin Luther and Northland. But 
after they started five and one, the only two teams they beat from there on out were Martin Luther and Northland. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many questions, like you said, Buckner. I mean, you can't ask anything more from him. What's interesting to me, Wyatt, in the second half of the season, it basically became it's Buckner's going to lift us up and do enough to the finish line, or it's really, I don't know who else. I mean, he's at least got to do five, six of the work offensively for us to win any of these ball games. And, you know, I kind of feel bad for him, to be honest, Wyatt, because with, with yeah. some of the performances he put up, and even I think of the game that you and I watched some of in Mankato at Bethany, we knew it was going to be such a tall test. But in that first half and early in the second half where they're just trying to stay within shouting distance, He's having to do everything on both sides of the floor to defend Nielsen at the 10, to score himself the other way. No one can make an outside shot for Crown. And it's like, what more does this guy have to do when I never thought I'd be saying that? And I don't know yeah. how much further I can go without bringing up Cade Carroll's name. Because he yeah. was in the player of the year conversation. You know, we talked about this a few years ago. I think he should have got it. I know Noah got it. Noah was deserving too. But I would have given it to Cade. And for him to be one of those multiple graduates – fifth-year guy on the team, just bizarre. I never saw it coming because the way his career finished was not close to the player that he was in long stretches in the UMAC, I think specifically of a few years ago. So, yeah, yeah. just so perplexing, and I'm sure Coach Herbert has a lot of questions as well for where where exactly did this thing go wrong. Yeah, you do. You feel bad for him and, and the way it ended for sure. And you almost wonder if they just settled even on Saturday. And we'll we'll talk about that. But some of the shots they were taking in that game, I thought they could have gotten downhill a little bit more. But again, we can get to that in a little bit. But tough way to swallow the end of your season if you're crowned going 0-2 where all they had to do was just get one of them and they couldn't do it. Um, Bethany's game's not really that important this weekend. I mean, they hit triple digits again against Northland on Friday. We'll talk about their game against Superior Saturday maybe a little bit. The Jackets, the reason they are the two-seed, Ryan, is because they took care of business on Friday night against Martin Luther. Is there anything you want to mention there? I mean, they, they needed to win it. The Knights played close for a while, and then the Jackets were able to eventually just do their thing. Walker leads the way with 20, and they get a big win. Yeah, not much. I mean, they did what they were supposed to. They're playing better down the stretch for sure, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I'm still not sure if they're at the level you and I thought they could be coming into this season. Correct. I don't know if everything has been fixed. I don't know if all the wounds have been bandaged yet for Superior. If they're playing better, but I'm not ready to say, like, this is the Superior we were waiting for. This is the team we were expecting from the results we saw in the non-con play and all the veteran experience they have coming back. I don't know if I'm fully there. Sure, they finished well. There's some things to build on, but I don't know if I'm ready to make a definitive, declarative statement on Superior tonight. Yeah, it uh, it's an interesting team because at their best, they are very, very scary. And not at their best and at their worst, they can lose to just about anybody. So uh, we'll see how it goes for them on Wednesday night. Northwestern Morris, this was a huge one, Ryan. Both teams were 6-6, six and six, basically an elimination game with how it shaped up. So you knew you had to have it. And Morris just came out kind of flat, to be quite frank. They only scored 23 in the first. It took 15 minutes before Paul Dack got on the board. (laughs) I think they started like one of nine from deep, and they just kept shooting him from from out there. It just it was not a good offensive performance from Morris in the biggest game of the year. Couldn't agree more. I mean, it's kind of remarkable that they got themselves back in the game in the second half with Paul Dak not scoring for the first 15 minutes. Now, I think he had, what, like 10 at halftime wide? I think he scored 10 he in the did. last five he, minutes of the half. 
I would say he still had 10 of their 23 in the first half because he did get a couple of outside shots to drop. And I mean, it, it starts quick with him. Like if he gets going, you, you got to watch out and have an eye on him at all times. So he did end up scoring 10 in the half. But yeah, it took him 15 minutes to score. They just didn't really get enough from anybody else. Yeah, this is kind of how I put it with Morris Wyatt. They like to drag you in the mud, and they like to get down and dirty like pigs do. But the problem is they were too muddy themselves. Like, you can only drag someone in the mud for so long where it's like, okay, we actually have to start doing something ourselves too. Because this game was really ragged, jagged, not not the most pleasing to watch, to be honest with you. I mean, not every game is just going to be great rhythm from start to finish because Northwestern had their struggles too. But the difference in the second half, Wyatt, how about the Caleb Hoyleen that we've seen these last two weeks of the season? Yeah. Something has been unlocked with him, and we'll talk about more what he did throughout the whole weekend when we get to Saturday's game. But I think he was really the guy to jumpstart Northwestern's offense. Other guys step up to Lavelle, Fambula, and double figures, and it took a whole team effort. But, man, Hoyleen kicked it into another gear late this season. I don't think it's even, yeah, just him, but it's all of them, right? It, it's him, it's Fambula, it's Posternich, even Schneider. Like, they have done a great job of leading this team, and they've yeah. all played better down the stretch. That's why they've won seven of their last eight conference games, and that's why they're playing on Wednesday night. All of them have played much better in the second half of the season. Hoyleen may be leading the charge this past weekend, but I don't think you can overlook the other guys as well. For sure. For sure. And a guy you didn't even mention, Why? I'm glad you mentioned the veterans first, but Jeremiah Lavelle grew up big time too. I mean, just growing in confidence more and more as a sophomore. Yeah, no question. They get it done 78-68 on Friday night, setting up the win and in-game with Crown on Saturday. North Central then beat Morris on uh, Saturday, but Morris was already out at that point because th- there was no way they were getting in at 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, North Central was already, well, I guess technically if they lost, they maybe could have been the 4, and Northwestern kind of hopped up to the 3, correct? Yep. They, they clinched the 3 with the win, yep. So, so the game was still important to them, but again, they took care of business 79-64. I'm assuming that was senior day too and not Friday night. Uh, yes. I'm guessing they did it I Saturday. I saw a photo. I'm, I'm, I apologize to the other gentleman. I remember Tanner Holtman being in it. I don't remember the other guy in the photo I saw on social. I'd have sure. to look at it again, but yeah, it was their senior day. And then Bethany, Ryan, they beat Superior 87-70. to It's a four-point game at half. They played their guys uh, throughout this one. And does does this kind of a result just kind of scare scare you heading into the postseason tournament? Like, is there anybody that can beat these guys? Scare me or scare Superior? Who, who is it scaring? <laughs> it should scare everybody, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in the UMAC. Because okay. I, I, think, I, I think their worst game was probably at Northwestern yeah, where they won the game by seven points. Not their now maybe they get worst to, game all season, but I get what you're saying, where they in, left the door in, open. Yeah. Well, honestly, in the UMAC, I'm trying to think, there haven't been many other games where they, they struggled that much or shot that poor offensively, That's fair. We could look into that, yeah, yeah. So now that they beat Superior by 17 at home and they get to play the entire conference tournament at home, I mean, you'd still have to take them over the field at this point, I feel like, right? Yes, not a question. They're it would just take so good. something gargantuan to knock off Bethany in that North Gym. But maybe it'll happen. We'll talk about That's that. That's why in they the play preview. the games. Yep. It is. <laughs> um, okay, so they took care of business. Superior played their guys throughout as well. It looks like everybody's healthy, and we should be good to go it, for Wednesday. One more question for you. Sure. There's no way they can take Sagadol off the bench the rest of the season, right? If he puts up 21 off the bench, I, and hey, they don't start honestly, him against Superior, why mess with a good thing, right? 
I'd take him off the bench, you know, yeah. or I'm saying like keep him on the bench and yes. then yep. bring him in as the sixth man. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You might as well. Cause again, you can always start him in the second half if you need to. He can still get 20, 30 minutes, whatever you need him to play, but Agreed. keep rolling that same five out there that you have been. I mean, he's still, like you said, that basically they're leading score. I mean, he, quite frankly, Nielsen's going to win player of the year, I think, Ryan, but Sagadal is probably the most valuable player to that team right now with the way he's been playing. There's a lot of good stuff in that smoothie. You put it in the Ninja Bullet, and it tastes real good, but it's nothing without the straw that stirs the drink that is Drew Sagadol. He is the straw that stirs their drink. As I say, what's your go-to smoothie? Wow, what a question. Like, what am I putting in there? I don't know. No, I'll, I'll answer it for you. I don't drink smoothies, so I don't have a I go-to don't. smoothie. I don't I, know if you drink smoothies, but... I don't have them af- uh, often either, to be honest with you, but I'll, I'll take a, a lot of different smoothie combinations. Sure. And then we have the winning in-game, Ryan, at Northwestern. Pack crowd, crown traveled well. There wasn't really an empty seat in the gym. There's people standing on the track. It reminded me of the conference championship. I told you this two yeah. years ago. So many of those players that were playing on Saturday played in that game as well. And to be honest, it was kind of similar in that the moment looked a little too big for Crown at times. And I thought they settled from deep early. Cade Carroll, like you mentioned, not not his greatest game. I mean, he had a double-double, but he started 0 of 7, 0 of 8 from 3. 0 of 8, yeah. Just just was tough to do anything offensively besides Buckner, who again, just dominated 27 points, nine boards. He's going to be the UMAC player of the week for sure. Besides him offensively, it was a struggle for crown on Saturday. And maybe we need to give Northwestern's defense more credit because they kind of held them at bay and they did the same thing with Morris the night before. Yeah. I, I think you made some great points there. Wyatt. give Northwestern credit, but also it all starts with crown settling early. How many shots did they get up before we even hit 15, 16 seconds on the shot clock? It, it was almost like, am I watching a team? I'm trying to think of a comparison where they're getting shots up so quick and it's not winding. I had a team that I was thinking of, and now I'm I'm totally blanking who I'm thinking of. But anyway, they weren't wasting hardly any time. I mean, it's kind of like what we see from Bethany from time to time, to be quite frank with you. But, you know, when Bethany's on, they make you pay from deep. If they have open looks and they're, you know, quick triggers, they're making more than Crown does. That's just the reality of it. And when you get down in a hole like that, not that it was gargantuan. I mean, Northwestern, you know, allowed them to hang around, and this game was, you know, super compelling going in to the second half because at recess from the Erickson Center, it was still just for Northwestern a two-point lead. But coming out of the locker room, I mean, Northwestern turned the dial and built some breathing room, and it never felt like it was in doubt from there. So a lot of head-scratching things for Crown. Not at all what I expected from Cade Carroll and JVD, Jacob Van Dam. I wasn't expecting a ton of scoring from Masick. He does little things to help out that team. But it felt like Micah Ladd and Tyrus Buckner were really the only guys who were super confident, not just because they both had good good days scoring the basketball, but Micah didn't settle. I mean, when there was a few kickouts, he hit, you know, at least a timely two or three, as I'm trying to confirm here. He was just one of three from deep, I guess. You and I were actually asking him to shoot more. Do you remember those few sequences where he didn't shoot it? Well, yeah, the biggest one was when it was 62-56 in the second half, and he had a look Wide, from three. Trailer in transition, wide open. Yep. yep, decides not to take it. They end up turning it over on that possession, and then shortly after, Northwestern ends up extending it back to double digits, and I don't think the game ever really got Great point. that close again. And they could have been within three. We're not saying the shot for yeah. sure would have gone down, but the Eagles immediately went the other way and scored off of that turnover. So 
what could have been is kind of the question. And I, I just, again, I, I can't get past Cade Carroll. 11 of his 14 are from deep when he missed his first nine, but he just kept shooting it. And then you see him make his first drive where he's going to the lane. He fades away a bit. He kisses it off the glass. And I'm looking at you and I'm just saying, you can't guard that. Like if he's doing that more, you're forcing the Eagles to actually have to dig in defensively more and take into consideration, okay, where is 14 and white when they really didn't have to defend him for the most part all game long. How about the sophomores, though, for Northwestern, right? Yeah. And Naimari yeah. and Lavelle combining for 37. Lavelle had just two points, three points at half. He goes for 16 in the second half. Just you talk about his maturity and his growing up. He grew up at halftime of this game, especially with the way he played in that second half. It was a pleasure to watch. Couldn't agree more. I mean, he had a few sequences that were eyebrow-raising. Yours almost hit your beautiful hairline when just about four minutes left in the ball game, he goes with his left hand. He takes it into the chest of Buckner, absorbs all the contact at the apex, and kisses it home. And you and I are looking at each other like, okay, these Eagles right now offensively are playing with confidence that they have an all-season lawn. And then you remember the stretch that Jay Nayamari had where he got really hot for Northwestern. So slippery in his pull-up game where he can knock down the two and then he can also fly into the lane and finish as well. And then he's an awesome spot-up shooter. Shot it with confidence, three or four from deep. I'm glad you brought them up. You talked about the seniors a little bit ago, but it takes everyone. And when you got two sophomores that are playing with that kind of confidence in a capacity gym, in a winning in-game, when they haven't played crown before in a big spot like that, but their guys were ready. And on the other side, it was not that case for Coach Herbert's club. Yeah, I mean, Carroll and Van Dam. I don't want to keep talking about them too much, but they were 3 of 24 from deep on the weekend. Can't have it. Yep. Yeah, and that's, that's you know, yep. just as a tough time to go cold. And, uh, yeah, tough way to end. Again, we don't know for sure who's back, who's not maybe. I know we know for sure some guys are gone, and it's it's going to be interesting to see the transition for Crown now heading into next year for sure. Yeah, Cade's gone. Uh, your guy Carter may be back. I think he's got an extra year. Testerman's gone. Massick is gone. JVD, I think, could be gone. I won't speculate yeah. any further, but yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, I mean, congrats to the teams, though, that aren't in Crown and Morris, uh, Northland, and Martin Luther on your seasons. How about the and, Knights, um, Wyatt? How about the Knights on Saturday? They got there. Yeah, the I was Jacks, thinking, you the know. The Jacks were oh so close to getting their one, but MLC said uh, not so fast. Yeah, I was hoping. I was so hopeful because I think I picked Northland in that game, right? I think you I did. said that's that's the one they're going to get, which, by the way, turns out uh, I, I, en- I ended up getting you by two, right? So I ended well, up winning the predictions. So here's what I got to throw at you. So you want to carry over? Double or nothing, we carry this thing into the postseason. Because <laughs> I was down four. I'm within two. I, I was also close to coming here's back, but thing. it was just not enough. You only have six picks, though. In the I playoffs. I mean, there's only so many for you to go opposite. So. I, I'm aware, but double or nothing. What do you say? You, I give you a two-point sure. lead going into the playoffs. You ready to yeah, roll sure. this forward? Okay. Why not? All right. Why not? We'll roll it in. Uh, the fantasy's done, though, and yeah. I believe those were both tightly contested as well. But for once, I think I finally got you. Well, and you have Tyrus Buckner's 44-point performance on Friday. To, you Thank know. you very much, Tyrus. <laughs> Homeschoolers, unite. That that killed me. On the weekend, Wyatt, I mean, 90 fantasy points over two games is absurd. Yeah, Buckner literally is. put your team on his back and took you to victory. Because my guys had a valiant effort, but I did not see Buckner putting up 80, so I, I can't do much. About, 90, sorry. I can't do much about that. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he couldn't quite, you know, he needed some more help 
to to get them an actual win. But hey, yeah. <laughs> he didn't need any more help from my guys on my team. We we got it done, so I'm very grateful for that. So yeah, and then on the women's side as well, you know, <clears throat> you know, excuse me, I I honestly I I'm just happy <laughs> to be in this spot. I never thought it was going to happen. I'm usually terrible at this stuff, so uh, happy to be in the winner circle for once on the fantasy side of things. Your first two players are big. I mean, Grove and Bessonen were awesome down the stretch when you needed them most, and quite frankly, my top picks were not as good as they needed to be, and then your depth also helped out with players like Hershey stepping up too. You you were also very gracious with allowing me to take subs throughout the year. Well, that so. was the rule. You got two subs because it was before the halfway point, and they both did a nice job. That's true. I'm pretty sure uh, Parker Bainey I had on my team for the last half, and so I guess that's fair. All right, coach of the year, Pat Garvin, right? 14 and all. Don, I thought you were going to make this suspenseful. I thought you were going to do a drum I, roll wow. or something. I mean, I, I really just, there, there's nobody else to give it to. Yeah, I, it's a runaway. I, I totally can you, agree. Can you make an argument for anybody else? I don't I don't think so. I mean, especially okay. because, like, Superior, I don't think Coach Polkowski is, you know, pounding the table telling you, like, Nobody gave us a chance, gentlemen. Nobody said we could be here at nine and five. Sure, <laughs> sure, you got second. That's great. But why? It's not just because we had an undefeated team. No one was within remote five games. shouting yeah, five distance games. of them. You can yell at the top of your lawns and Bethany still doesn't hear you. You can get a megaphone yeah. <laughs> right now and project it as loud and as far yeah. as you can, and they still can't close to hear you right now. Yeah, to win a conference championship before the final weekend is ridiculously impressive with three full games left you're outright champs that's yeah yeah that's pretty well good. and ryan we always advocate that it doesn't always have to be yes. the team who wins the regular season title to Amen. win coach of the year but with the scenario this year i think they're both more than deserving that being coach carpenter and coach garvin if coach holtzeder would have somehow took his team to the umac tournament as the fourth yes. seed after they started the year with beating northwestern that's a conversation but that yeah nothing like that happened so yeah, and on the women's side, I think let's say Martin Luther gets in. It's a conversation for sure. Conversation. I as would well probably there. still so. give it to Carpenter, considering the you know the the reasons we have yeah. on that end. But well, like then, I said, it's just a, it's just a conversation. Exactly. Do you want to make it dramatic? Do you want to do a drum roll? Do you want to make some suspense? Do well, you want to talk about it before you say the name? <laughs> we're both thinking on the men's side. I I am looking at the numbers now just to see oh. if I can make an argument for anybody else. And I got to be honest, with his performance this past weekend, Tyrus no. Buckner has got pretty good stats. I'm just saying. It's if him they, or Nielsen. If they were in, you can talk about it. Sure. You can't give it but to you a guy don't, because didn't they didn't the make it. It, yeah. it may be okay. tough. It may stink. People may not like that. But in my opinion, you can't give it to a team who didn't even get I know it's an individual award, but still. Yeah. No, I, I get it. That's that's probably fair. Um, I mean, Buckner's first in scoring, though. He's second in rebounding. He is second a, in field goal percentage. He's a dude, and I'm looking second forward to in block shots. what we see from him. In the, he's a dude. He's a dude. Yeah, I I think you're right. He's a first-team all-conference selection, no doubt, all UMAC. But, uh, yeah, I think it's got to be Nielsen, right? I agree. It's Nielsen. Do you, do you want to give your first team? That's actually maybe interesting on, on the men's side. Yeah. Well, to me, and I mean, we could do it on the women's side too. It's a little yeah. bit tougher maybe there. But on the men's side, I, I had said it was pretty clear cut. I think it's it's Buckner, Dak, Nielsen, Walker. And then, you know, that last spot, I was going to say Cade Carroll, but I think there's a case to be made. 
did Drew Sagadal play enough games? He played 11 conference games. Is that yeah. enough to earn a first-team all-spot? That's where it gets interesting because if you took his stats throughout the whole season, we're probably not even having this conversation. But how many games yeah. do you have to play to earn that is probably the question. I think you can make an argument for both sides, for Cade getting that spot or Sagadal. I, I don't know which way I'd be on that. Is it between those two? Is there anybody else you would throw That's in there? That's a good point. You know, you could talk about for a Northwestern or a North Central, but I think both those teams are just so balanced. Like, yeah. And that's a compliment to both of them. I, I think I wouldn't put either one of those guys, a Ram or an Eagle, in the starting five, if you will, first team all-conference. To be honest, the only other guy I would maybe consider would be maybe... Oh, oh, uh, oh. Maybe Simpson. I, I don't okay. know. I He's 10th in scoring... He's fifth in rebounds. You know what I mean? Like he he's been good. He's fourth in field goal percentage. But okay, to be honest, yeah, I, I, I haven't I, gone I, super deep on all those. Those are good numbers. I, I mean, he's definitely maybe in the conversation. He's also eleventh in assists. So I mean, that's that's probably something he's got going for him that a lot of these other guys don't. That's but, a good point. He he should at least have a spot. He should be a, at the ceremony. Yeah, at least cor- be within correct. earshot of the the guys who are the five. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if the coaches find it worthy to give it to Sagadol, I'm fine with that. If it's Carroll, I'm also fine with that. But, yeah, Northwestern, I I don't think there's anybody there that's going to get a spot. They're all really good players, but there's not necessarily an elite player in that group. And no one was consistent enough. If the Caleb yes. Poilene we saw the last two weeks was, in large part, the guy we saw the whole season, sure, but he wasn't. And, hey, Northwestern, you don't have to take that as a knock. I mean, they don't care about that. I mean, you're in the postseason tournament, whatever, we move on. But, yeah, no Eagle, I think, deserves to be first team this year. Well, very quickly, let's do the women's side then, since we did the men's side. This was off script, so you lead the way. Oh, no. What do you think on the women's <laughs> side? I also got to pull up the tab, so Well, I'll start. I'll start with ready. the three who you said are player of the year finalists. I think we'd yeah. both agree we would take to start our UMAC team against the world on the woman's side. Yes. Elise Bessonen, Maddie Grove, Lexi Hagen. Now it's a question of where do we go from there, okay? You look at the other playoff teams, you consider uh, which way we could go. I don't think there's any definitive ones on Superior. For Morris, you could make an argument for Quate. Now you don't see the scoring pop off the sheet, but she is so valuable on both sides of the floor. I think she's the other one you would consider for Morris. For Northwestern, to be honest, like I... I don't know. I don't know if there's one player consistent enough. If you want to make an argument for a Sandral, you maybe can. I'd have to go deeper into it. There's nothing to me that screams she has to be on that team. You look at the scoring, Wyatt. I mean, you mentioned you got three of the top four who you said are finalists for player of the year in scoring. You listed one, two, and four being Besson and Grove and Hagen. Number three, yeah. Gianna Clarenbeek, freshman. I mean, does she yeah. deserve consideration for Bethany for getting on the first team? She absolutely deserves consideration. I'm not sure I would give it to her necessarily. Okay, how about North Central? Let's go to them. You, you think like KVP? Well, I maybe? do. I think Vanderplug is a first team. Okay. I think you've got those three that we talked about: Grove, Hagen, Bessonen. I think Vanderplug is there, and then, like you said, I think that last spot. I think Clarenbeek deserves some consideration for it. I think Quate deserves some consideration for it. It's just a matter of what you're looking for as a coach and if you're looking for just numbers specifically or how somebody plays the game you know what I mean and how they impact a game 
I think I'd lean Jay Quate then, because I think by the eye test, I would say she's maybe just ahead of a Clarenbeek, even though she was third in scoring. Every single UMAC coach had a couple stars bolded and underlined that 25 in maroon or white, depending on what jerseys they're wearing. She's a problem. we got to be aware of her. So I think of like who coaches prepare for most and who's going to give them a headache during the game. I would go yeah. with that. So I'd go Grove, Quate, Bessonen, Hagen, and... Uh, the fifth one that we settled on that is escaping my mind for the moment that I'm going Quate. to come up with right now. Quate. I didn't mention Quate. Yeah, yeah. Two more. Yeah, I think one it's superior, her. A Northwestern. And um, why am I blanking on the last one? Well, I can't remember what you said now. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you've got the five. You've got the three. Hagen, uh, Bessonen, Grove, Quate. So you got two Morris, an Eagle, a Jacket. And then who was your fifth? Vanderplug? Oh yeah, yeah, Vanderplug we're going with for yeah, North yeah. Central. Thank you. I mean those yep. those are the five I'd probably go with. I also could see giving it to Clarenbeek though. Sure. And I think there's a handful of other people that are maybe in the conversation as well. Sandro's but... in there, yeah. Yep. So, anyways, and then yeah, we're 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 on the same page with with Player of the Year. It sounds like Coach of the Year, uh, Newcomer of the Year, obviously would be Grove Ooh. as well. Yeah, and probably because she's you know yep no fresh if she's gonna she's player win of the year. player of the year she's got to be the newcomer of the year Did, on the men's side Buckner wait, would be the yeah go he, ahead he's got to be I'm sorry for for cutting you off do they do like what they do in the NFL where they give the MVP to a quarterback but then offensive player of the year is like Christian McCaffrey <laughs> where you're could. like wait a second if the MVP is an offensive player then why <laughs> yeah I don't know I that's a great question maybe they should do something like that. Okay. Then so. it almost feels like a participation award, though, at that point, where they're just giving more awards to people. If so it's the know. offensive player of the year, I I agree. You can go that way, and you could you know split hairs and all these different stuff. Maddie Grove is the leading scorer in the league. It's not that simple, but yeah, I would I would give that one to her too. And then it's got to be Buckner. There's no rule against yeah. you transferring in. He's still a newcomer. No. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yep. So so it's got to be him for sure. Last question for you. We have Quate, defensive player of the year, on the woman's side. I'm going to put you on the spot. Men's side, defensive player of the year. Go. So I think, I mean, an obvious choice for a lot of people is Nielsen with the way he affects the game and blocks shots. I think a sneaky pick, though, J-Dub? is Mike Apostrophe. No, Mike Apostrophe. Oh, okay. We've talked to the Eagle coaches about how important he's been defensively. He shut down Javon Walker. For a lot of that Morris game, he gave Paul Dak fits. He's on Sagadol for stretches against Bethany. Yeah, I mean... I- I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I think it's it's worth the conversation as a sneaky dark horse, maybe. I don't know. He deserves an invitation to the ceremony before they pass out the trophy so he gets to put on the nice suit like they do for the Heisman, <laughs> even if he knows he's not the best defender. He's like, this is pretty cool, NYC, bright lights, get yeah. to sit next to these guys. Well, My picture will be the, here forever. The, the UMAC's not going to NYC, unfortunately, <laughs> but they, they don't get that opportunity. Good one. Low blow, but it's legitimate. So yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> where so, would we I go? mean, who would you? Where, where who would, who would you? Where should we go for the UMAC awards, Wyatt? I'm going to put another question at you, totally randomly. Hmm. If we had a UMAC awards presentation for all these awards in person, everyone dresses up. We have some nice ors divors. We have a little, you know, shenanigans going on. Uh, shenanigans all what. over the place. So what, what's happening at this? You got to go get together. You got to go somewhere in between, in the middle, somewhat. Okay. I'm and interested to see I, where I mean, we mean. Yeah, I was going to say, they're all <laughs> over the place. Why not a place like Brainerd or something okay. where you go to like Madden's Lodge <laughs> golf course or something? They got a nice banquet hall okay. there. Now you got me going. 
We know there are some coaches in this league who like to golf. We could get Coach Garvin and we Coach could Cole play a little dueling golf. on the links before we yes. have the presentation that evening. Corey Borkard gives the, a speech the... <laughs> there later on at night. <laughs> the course isn't open right now, right? I mean, are we doing this in the summer? We're, we're doing this uh, as soon as they can get out. The, yeah, that's the one downside. Hey, this Minnesota that would be Spring. The one downside, this Minnesota but... Spring. Let's say we do it uh, third week of March. You could. You can make it happen. You probably could. Yeah. No, that's just, I don't know. That was just an idea. Who's your, defensive player? Who's your defensive player of the year, though, on the men's side? Well, I brought up J-Dub. I, I would have to agree with you. He escaped my mind for some reason for a millisecond. Who's, J- I, I'm dumb. Who's J-Dub? I kind of want to let you stew on this for a little bit. Well, are you talking initials? about Walker? Yeah, initials are JW. Oh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm thinking Dub is in like DUB for some reason. I'm thinking J-Dub, and I'm like, who in the world is J-Dub? I'll cut to the chase. I agree with you. I don't know how I forgot about him for a second. It's Nielsen because you got to think about him more than any other guy. If you're an offense playing against yeah. Bethany, you got to know where he is. He's roaming everywhere trying to kill your dreams and hopes at the 10. So if it works out the way we think it will, on the women's side, the conference play of the, player of the year will be the newcomer of the year, and on the men's side, the conference player of the year will be the defensive player of the year. They're winning multiple Two awards people this will year. will get multiple awards, correct. Yeah. Well, it's it's not necessarily going to go the way we think it will. I mean, it usually never does. So, If those we'll don't, see. though, we'll be a little confused because I, I think yeah. – they, a little those, perplexed. Yeah, I mean, there's other ones you could give it to potentially, but we should hear two acceptance speeches from Grove and Nielsen, I believe. All right, here we go. Time to get to what everybody wants to know. Who are we picking to win on Wednesday night? Who's going to advance to the conference championship? What are we looking for in each of these matchups? Let's start on the women's side because ladies first, as always. Let's start with the 1-4 matchup between the Jackets and the Rams. Superior 13-1, North Central 7-7. Seven seven. This game will be played up in Superior in Wisconsin. They did split in the regular season, though, Ryan. North Central was the only team to beat the Jackets. You said they'd be the last team that Coach Carpenter wants to see in the semifinals. So why is that the case? <laughs> And what does North Central have to do to win this game? Well, this is pretty you know, simple to say to start with. It's bigger than this. But the one team who beat them all season long, North Central. That game was at Clark Danielson. Is this game in Minneapolis? No, obviously. It's at the Mertz yeah. up north. I just think the matchup and the way they play them, I don't think Coach Carpenter, not that she'd be thrilled to play any team. I mean, she's thrilled for you know how the season's gone so far and regular season champs. Even if they were to lose this game, it's an awesome season for the Jackets. I know that's not what Superior fans are hoping to hear, but regardless of what happens on Wednesday night. Okay, they won the first ball game that took place in Minneapolis, 70-59. to Much closer, obviously, at the Marts, but this was a game a few minutes down the stretch 68-62, Superior wins this game. When they can have Hola and KVP out there, pound it into them, kick to shooters. If you have a player like Davenport who's on like she was this past Friday night against Crown, Mabinig can maybe knock down a couple triples. All of a sudden, you're in a spot where you're getting lots of good looks if you're North Central, and potentially you're racking up fouls for Superior. Wyatt, you've mentioned on a number of occasions on this pod and games that we've called in the Erickson Center and off the mic how big Charlotte Firstal is for Superior and how different they look this year versus last year because they have a legit big, a freshman that Coach Carpenter was so excited to bring into the program. She talked about Charlotte when we talked to her in the fall. What if she picks up two early fouls in this game because of the presence of KVP and or Kayla Hola? 
All of a sudden, this game has a totally different complexion. Coach Zabel and her assistants are saying, just because Firstal's off the floor, we still want 34 or 40, meaning KVP or Hola, to stay on the floor. And then what is Superior going to do? Yeah, they're still going to defend as hard as they can. They're probably going to send a double on the block if we get it there. But then we have open looks from the outside. Now, you got to hit them. And they've had lulls this season where they have not been good at all from deep. But they've also had stretches like we saw from Nene Davenport. You remember Wyatt. She's from Florida. She had records in the high school record books in the state of Florida for three-point shooting. That's why Coach Zabla brought her to North Central. It's a night like tonight where you're saying you hope that your freshman and your underclassmen can step up because they may need someone like Davenport to step up in this game. Now, is all this going to work out like I'm saying, where Firstal's going to pick up early fouls? They're going to get open looks. They're going to hit a few early three balls from downtown. KVP is going to make some shots at the 10 and or get to the free throw line. Maybe not. you got to stop Elise Beston on the other side. Erica Madsen has been a revelation in this second half. She's been awesome. you got Katie Dobson. you got plenty of talent on superior side. But as far as the matchup goes... I like the path to success if I'm Coach Zabla or a North Central University fan. Yeah, there's certainly certainly a path for North Central to win this game. And I think it does start with the bigs and Vanderplug and Hoyla inside. Can they match Firstal? Can they get a lead early? If the Jackets come out firing Ryan and they build a lead early, watch out. You wonder you you wonder if the Rams can overcome that. I'm glad you mentioned that, Wyatt, real quick before I hand it back to you because we've seen in the past you and I games in person, you know, you think about their matchups against Northwestern. When North Central falls behind early, maybe they keep it tight for most of the first quarter, but all of a sudden they're down 6, 8, maybe approaching 10 before halftime. It's really tough for them to come from behind. Not impossible, but they have to have a good start, especially because they're the underdog with the way they play. So continue. Yeah, can they win this game? They absolutely can. Again, I think it starts with the bigs, and then I don't know if Ryan is still their leading scorer this year or not, but she's certainly going to have to play a big role in this game and be efficient. you got to play really well on the road. You have the confidence because you did beat them earlier this year, but Ryan, you mentioned Erica Madsen and the way she's played as of late, and it's not just her. Even Olsen coming off the bench, Katie Dobson's had good games, like you said. We know what you're going to get from Bessonen, probably know what you're going to get from Fursal in this matchup. If those other supporting pieces can do just enough, like they have all year, I don't see Superior losing this game. On their home court, there's reason they're the one seed. I think that loss to North Central is more of a fluke than anything. Now, the Rams are capable. They're experienced. They can do it. But I am taking Superior to win this game. They will be hosting the conference championship on Saturday. Yeah, don't blame me for that. I mean, obviously, the the number one seed is going to be tough to beat on their home floor. And for the record, Ryan still is their leading scorer at just over 13 points per game for Caitlin Ryan. Okay, I think this game literally comes down to why it can Superior shut down North Central from deep just enough like they did when they won at the Mertz? Or can North Central at least get a couple timely threes? They lost by six after being tied going into the fourth quarter when they played on February the 2nd in the Mertz. So this isn't eons ago, Wyatt. I mean, this is earlier this month. They're meeting on Wednesday. It's not super long ago. Game was right there down the stretch. But North Central didn't make a three in the fourth quarter. They were 0-4 on some really good looks. They were just 2-12 from deep. Otherwise, you look across the board. They got Firstal in foul trouble. She played just 24 minutes. She was good, 14-6, and six, but she had four fouls you hold superior enough offensively where I feel like in this game, we've talked about it so many times with North Central, but I'll say it again. 
I think they got to win a game where superiors at like 65 or under. For sure, if the Jackets are 70 plus, I don't think they're going to win. Here's the dealio with what we just said a little bit ago. I'm down two. I'm trying to win. I'm not going to pick all the same games as Wyatt. Yes, there are many scenarios where Superior wins this game. But because I have some ground to make up and because I truly believe there is a path to victory for North Central, I'm going to take the Rams. I'm not shocked at all if Superior wins this game. I think they do have a good chance to win at home. But just watch the start of this one. If in the first five, six minutes, North Central builds a little bit of a lead and they get things going the right way as far as fouls are concerned, and they just shoot it a little better from deep. Don't don't have to be great, excuse me, but you can't be 2 of 12 again. you got to make at least five or six of them, and this thing could be real interesting down the stretch again. About as good of a 1-4 semifinal matchup, I think, as you could ask for, Wyatt. It should be a good one, but Ryan, even as good as this one is, I think we're looking forward a little bit more to the other one, the rematch between Northwestern and Morris in 2-3. In this game, Ryan, I wouldn't be surprised if Northwestern wins by double digits, if Morris wins by double digits, if wow. we come right down and is it's a buzzer beater. Like I really do believe wow. this game could go any which way direction. What you don't? You don't? No, I just laugh because how many times do you say I wouldn't be surprised if it's a buzzer beater, if one team wins by double digits or the other wins by yeah, double digits? There's, because you're just basically no, saying, yeah, there's anything. No scenario unless it's a twenty point game one way or another where okay, I'm going to so be looking at it shocked. So if I mean, Morris, yes. If yes, Morris or Northwestern wins by 17, you're like, eh, eh yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, you could see that. <laughs> you probably have a lot of thoughts on this game, so I'm going to just pass it to you and let you go. What do you think of this? Well, I'm sure you got a lot of thoughts too, but I said earlier in this recording, I'm glad to see these teams play for the third time. It's a cliche in sports, but you know what you and I say, Wyatt, cliches are often true. It's really tough to beat the same team three times in one year, but it feels like, with super seniors, Jaden Sondrel, Jay Quate back, his own daughter, Maddie Grove, stepping up. Could she be the player of the year, as we talked about earlier, the freshman? Feels like this may be the year for Morris. Before they beat Northwestern in January at Jim Gremmel's court, Northwestern had their number. I think they'd won the last five, if not the last six. Now Morris has won the last two. Coach Grove is feeling as good as he's ever felt going into a playoff matchup against Northwestern. Maybe not ever. I shouldn't put words in his mouth. But he's feeling pretty good based on what he saw most recently this past Friday night. Now the Eagles have to come to their place. Not going to be easy for Northwestern. you got to take good care of the basketball. That was one big improvement for Northwestern wide after they turned it over 25 times at Morris. In the friendly confines, they turned it over 16 times. Coach Cole and his assistants know, though, there's more butter on the basketball when you go on the road. Can't explain it, but it's just harder to hang onto that pumpkin and squeeze the orange when you're playing far from home. So that's one thing that Morris has going for them is playing this game at home. I would be surprised if it's double digits either way. I think one way or another, this is a single-digit game. Fine, you're twisting my arm. I will tell you, I feel like it's within six. It's no larger than six on either side. I think this is going to be tight down to the wire. And I can't wait to watch this on the Cougar Sports Network on Wednesday evening. And I can't remember the gentleman's first name, so I'm not even going to guess. But, you know, I I know he'll be excited, ready for that game, and uh, looking forward to watching. Yeah. um, it, It is tough to beat a team three times in one year. And we've talked about it all year. Northwestern, at their best, there's a reason they won it last year. They returned so many pieces from that team, Ryan. At their best, I think their ceiling's higher than anybody in this conference still, but we still haven't seen that yet. 
and Morris defensively could give the Eagles fits and turn them over like we just saw. I, I think it comes down to if you can keep your composure and treat it just like any other game and not ba- make it bigger then you know you have to and you kind of disagree with me on this because we talked about this and you said no you should be treating it like it's bigger why why do you hold that opinion I don't know exactly what you're alluding to I mean I've talked about that times before so okay we were talking about this um in the Erickson Center over the weekend before the crown game I think maybe is what you're alluding to you asked me like can they treat this like any other game and I said well you got a bunch of seniors on the other side who can't treat it that way crown's reeling they got to step up and win this game you got to treat it like you're desperate but what are you alluding to Well, I just am saying if you do that mentally, you're almost psyching yourself out before you even start, and that can affect your play sometimes. That's fair. And it's tough for me to compare, you know, what Crown was going through end of the season on the men's side versus Northwestern. Like you just said, I'll go back to what you said. They have the highest ceiling, as you've mentioned many times this year, out of any team in this league if they're playing at their best. But that's a big if, and the opponent has a lot to do with that. Okay, so even if they have great depth and they have a lot of scoring, it doesn't always show out. So I don't know. Do you think the message from Coach Call and his assistants is something like that, Wyatt? Don't put too much into this. We have everything we need in this room. We keep our composure early. We get off to a good start, and we see where this thing goes. This is just like any other game. Forget that it's the UMAC tournament. Do you think there's some message like that from him, Coach McGow, Coach Peterson? Like, What, what do you expect Coach Call's message to be before they take yeah. the floor? To a certain extent, I do think it's somewhere along the lines of that. I would be curious to hear what Robbie has to say about this being that she's played in these kinds of games. You know what I mean? Like to get her perspective on it is absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's somewhere along the lines of that. But here's my question for you, and then I'll make my pick. Do you think the Eagles need to stop settling so much from deep? I mean, the two times they played Morris this year, what, they attempted like 72 threes in the two games combined? It's a lot. You counted them. It's up. ridiculous. That's impressive. I mean, on Friday night, I can tell folks, 35, 35. of their 63 yeah. were from deep. They were 13 of 35. They were just 2 of 12 in the fourth quarter. So 37%, but they were well above 40 for most of the game. Or do you say we're going to live and die with the three? Well, you can shoot them if it's a kickout. It, it, it sounds like the oldest thing in basketball, but why? You and I say it all the time. It's so important. Get a paint touch first. Force the defense to flood the middle of the lane and then you kick it from there and you walk into a three in rhythm and that's a lot of what the eagle looks had on um friday night i should say but you look going into this game what i want to see early from northwestern i'm not saying that this is totally what happened but i think part of it was i think they're a little gun shy a little fearful of driving early on friday night now they got there from time to time but that zone kind of Scared them off a little bit where we heard so much pregame. And they did it from time to time. And when you get it there, it works. If you make the next right pass off of it, but get it into the short corner. Short corner. So what did we say? Short corner 25 times on the broadcast? I don't know if I've ever said short corner so many times. Quite a bit. But that's a key against the Moore's zone that can be tough to solve, especially, you know, with Quate and Grove at the top. It's much easier when you get it past them. But when they're pinching up higher and higher to extend that zone at the top, And that's before they even put on the full court pressure or try to bait you at the half court line, which we didn't even really see Friday night. So don't forget, Wyatt, if this game gets hairy, there's another level of that defense from Coach Grove's team that he can pull out that we saw in stretches in Morris when they played in January. So I'm in a total web right now. I'll throw it back to you. But for Northwestern, what I want to see early is attack the paint. Don't be scared. Draw some fouls. You and I talked about it so much on Friday night. they got to get to the line more. They're such a great free throw shooting team. 
It took them so long to even get to the line for the first time. They finished the night just three of six. That can't happen on Wednesday night. You got to be at least 10 plus foul shot attempts. Does the game always work that simply? No. But if you're Northwestern, in my opinion, you got to draw more fouls. And if you're going to draw more fouls, you may as well do it at the 10 when you're taking a shot. Yeah, I mean, the game really is as simple as this to me. It comes down to Northwestern taking care of the basketball, not getting sped up, keeping their composure, and not settling for three. So if they do those two things, they don't turn the ball over, and they do get those touches inside, I think they're going to have success. On the flip side, they need to try and make more shoot it from deep as well. They want nothing to do with the three-point line. They want to pound it inside, use their bigs, and I don't blame them because their bigs can be overwhelming, and they have guards that can attack downhill. So what do I think is going to happen? I'm going to give Morris the nod and pick them to win this game. I like what I saw from them the last time out against Northwestern. I think they made winning plays down the stretch. I think they can do it again on their home court. I think their bigs are too much to handle inside for Northwestern. Again, the Eagles have the highest ceiling. They are the best team in this conference when they play their best basketball. But putting themselves in a position to have to go on the road at Morris, like you said, the Stars could be aligning excuse me, for Coach Grove's team this year. And I just got to give them the slight nod in this game. I am going to take the Cougars to get a win here in what should be a tight game. Again, I'm not surprised regardless of the outcome. I think it'll be close, but it has the potential to get away as well. That's fair. I'm glad you said close. I won't make you be any more specific than that. You don't have to give a score number. You don't Thank have to you. say within seven that. points. I know you don't like that. So <laughs> to answer you, I think both of these games on Wednesday night on the women's side are as close to as coin flips as you can get in a one versus four and a two versus three. As close as we've maybe ever seen on the women's side. I think all four teams are literally that tight, and both the three and the four have paths to victory on the road, even though it won't be easy. I'm going to go back to what I said before. I am not continuing this race into the postseason to just tie with White. I want to win this thing and come back. This is a coin flip. I'm going with Northwestern. It's tough to beat the same team three times in one year. Would not be shocked at all if Morris wins the ball game. If the Eagles cannot give up the ball 20-plus times, can't do that. They, they may not be as good as they were Friday night, but you got to try to keep this thing under 20, and you especially can't be you know, five plus in the other direction where Morris has turned you over five plus more times than they've turned it over themselves. If they can do that, make enough three balls and get to the free throw line. Got to get to the free throw line more if you're Northwestern. And then you hope this time you can make plays down the stretch when Morris did it to you on your home floor. You hope you can flip the tables. I told you before, I think it's going to be tight. Fine, Wyatt, you're twisting my arm. Okay, I'll give you a score prediction. It was 67-64 Friday night at the Erickson Center. I think Wednesday night at Jim Gremmel's court, Northwestern wins 64-61. to 61. Morris has a three-point look just beyond the half-court line at wow. the buzzer. It hits the rim, but it does not go down. And Northwestern goes back to the championship, but I would not be shocked at all if Morris wins. The only thing I would be shocked by is if this game is more than a seven-point no, I said six point. Six point margin you said from six, either yeah. side. If it's more than six, if it's a touchdown plus a field goal, my eyebrows will raise on Wednesday. Even even if it's a three point game late and they get fouled twice and hit <laughs> well, four free throws <laughs> I mean, and it's seven then. We'll talk about that if that happens. How about that? <laughs> That's fair. So you got the underdogs, I got the top seeds. We're different on both. So we have a completely different championship on the women's side. Should be good games. Very compelling. I, I think it's 
it's what we would say have been the best four teams. I, I think if yep. you asked us at the start of the year, I mean, we would have picked these four. It's very familiar faces and names back in the conference tournament. I mean, the Superior North Central game's a rematch from the semifinal a year ago, correct? Yeah, yeah, you watched, as, you as watched is, a lot of that game. That was the 2-3. That's the only difference. And Northwestern hosting Morris was the 1-4. Now the it's 1-4. So, now yeah, it's they're different, just, and both games are in different locations too. Yeah, but same teams. Yep. So very familiar in that regard. All right, let's hop over to the men's side. We'll start with the 1-4 matchup like we just did on the women's side. Bethany and Northwestern. The Vikings a perfect 14-0, 22-3 on the year. Their offense Oof, yeah. is incredible. They've won 15 straight games, but they're playing the other team that's probably the hottest team in this conference, winning seven of their last eight UMAC games. They started the season 7-0, and then started to kind of hit a downward spiral. They regrouped, got it together, did enough to get to the postseason tournament, and now they square off again. Ryan, these two teams met not that long ago, and the Eagles played them probably as tough as anybody has played them this year in the UMAC. They actually led this game with, what, three and a half to go, I believe it was, before Bethany eventually hit some shots down the stretch and pulled away for the seven-point victory. If there is a team you maybe didn't want to see if you're Bethany in the semis, not that they're scared of anybody, you could make an argument it's Northwestern. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, with the experience on their coaching staff, with the experience they have on the floor, and with how they've been playing lately, it's hard to argue that. I told you before we hopped on the mic, I have a comparison to make for you. And it's going to take me a little bit to connect I've the waited. dots, but it should be I've quick. waited a long time for it. So no, go ahead, connect the dots. I'll wait patiently. So a few days ago, for those who follow Division One basketball, you know there's a matchup that's been hyped for some time. There's a team out in Milwaukee that's been playing really, really good basketball as of late. Winners of their last seven or eight games. They're you know playing right at the right time. Everyone's talking them up. They're on the verge of being the best two seed, if not maybe even taking the number four one seed as we head into the prognostications for March Madness. It's the Marquette Golden Eagles, okay? But looming on this schedule, you got a trip to stores, and you got to head into that hornet's nest that is the XL Center to play the Yukon Huskies. The defending champions, the team that is finally all the way healthy, that has got dogs across the board. They got a big man in Donovan Clinton who roams around, block shots, scores at the 10. They got a couple impact transfers. You look no further than Cam Spencer who talks a lot of talk but then backs it up. And then you got sharpshooters who rebound and do whatever you want. And Alex Caravan and Tristan Newton. And then, oh, by the way, you got a head coach who can get a little hot on the sideline, but he knows what he's doing and he can get his guys going. You know, Northwestern marching into the North Gym on Wednesday night, they're really hot. They deserve praise for getting to this spot and getting into the conference tournament. But it is unlike anything that they have experienced the last multiple weeks to go into the North Gym, into Mankato, much like it was for Marquette to go two stores on Saturday, and then they got the doors blown off of them. Donovan Clinton, who's like Hunter Nielsen, shot blocker, wreaking havoc on both sides of the floor. You don't want to deal with him. Mason Ackley is like Cam Spencer. Transfer coming into the program, who will talk a little bit of talk when he has to, just a junkyard just dog. A you're never going to knock him. Basically is what you're calling I'm not, him then, I'm not calling Cam Mason Spencer, Ackley. that dude is a jerk. Some people say he goes too far. This comparison is not a, per, it's not a perfect connection anywhere. I'm not calling de facto Mason Ackley a jerk. I'm <laughs> that's not fair. doing no, no, that that's fair. whatsoever. But then you got Tristan Newton and Alex Caravan knocking down shots. That's Drew Sagadol, and that's Jax Madsen who continue 
to put things together and hit big shots when they need to most. And I will say this, Coach Garvin, you are very into it. You're very passionate when you have to be, but you're not as nuts as Dan Hurley. And I like you a heck of a lot more than I do Dan Hurley (laughs) because I don't really like that guy. But all that is to be said, I feel like Northwestern coming into Mankato with everything they've experienced the last few weeks is kind of like Marquette coming in two stores to play UConn on their home floor. Now, am I saying that Bethany is going to win by 28? I don't know. You step in and talk, Wyatt. Well, first of all, we know Mrs. Ackley listens. To be clear, Ryan is not calling your son a jerk. I just want to clear that up. That is not what we're saying. He's comparing him to Cam Spencer, who I believe is a jerk. Can't stand that guy, personally. Good, good so clarification. That's just, I appreciate that. Just a note on Cam Spencer. By the way, UConn is is just an absolute wagon. So, yeah, I mean, it's a fair comparison because Bethany has been an absolute wagon this year. <laughs> As well, they've been tremendous both offensively and then they've gotten stops defensively and done enough on that end of the floor as well where it's like, how do you beat these guys? They're just they're just tremendous. I like that comparison. That's actually pretty good. Job well done. Yeah, I don't know how Northwestern's going to win this game, to be honest. As well as they have played, Ryan, in the last couple of weeks, this is a completely different beast. Like you said, Bethany is locked in. We always say, at least I do, and we've had this conversation before, if you are going to upset the number one team, it sometimes is easier to do it in the semifinal than in the championship. So so maybe Northwestern has that going for them. But yeah, with Sagadol in this lineup now and with all the other guys and weapons that they have playing on their home court, I mean, I expect Northwestern to have to score 80, maybe even closer to 90 if they're going to win this game. And I just don't think they have enough firepower to do it. I think Bethany pulls away in the second half. They win it. They'll head to the championship game. It ends up being a double-digit win for them. Uh, It's just really tough to pick against this team. They've just been so dominant. They're healthy. You could argue they're starting to play their best basketball, even though they've played well all year. It was a really impressive win against Superior by 17 this past weekend. I just I don't see how the Eagles win this game. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you look at what happened in the Erickson Center that you mentioned, Wyatt, where the Eagles were able to hold down Bethany for some time before they caught their footing, and it felt like offensively they were never super comfortable. They still scored 77. I know that's with some late free throws, but all those things that happened, you and I said on the mic that night in the Erickson Center, we said on this pod, we feel like Bethany only played a C level, and they still won that game. Now they're at home in a place where shots seem to go down more often, soft rims, which, hey, that's a benefit for Northwestern too. I mean, I think the softest rims in the UMAC are in the North Gym. You at times, Wyatt, and I think maybe I've done it as well, have compared the North Gym to the Lahaina Civic Center where the Maui Invitational is played. So points are scored in that gym, okay? But I'm glad you mentioned how many does Northwestern have to score. I would agree with you. I think it's at least 85, if not 90. I know Northwestern likes to play the pack line defense, slow down the game, a la Tony Bennett facing off against a guy like Dan Hurley. But you're going to have to score a lot to win in this ball game. Northwestern is not going to be able to win it with their defense. They're going to have to have a lot of shots that fall. you got to have a really, really good start to this game if you want any chance to win this ball game. If Bethany gets off to an early lead and they get some cushion, watch out because I don't know if it's going to be enough for Northwestern to come back. A guy like Lavelle, Hoyleen are both going to have to have big nights. They both may need to have 20-plus points, but... 
yeah, it's a tall, tall uphill climb, uh, climb, excuse me, for Northwestern. Not impossible to win. It could happen. But if Bethany's ready to go from the jump, if they build a lead six to seven minutes into this game, that may be enough. Not that Northwestern's going to lay down, but the Eagles have to have a great start if they're going to have any chance. Wyatt, do you feel like this game is anywhere remotely close, or what would be your guesstimation for the margin we see at the end of Wednesday evening? Yeah, like I said before, I think it's double digits for sure. I 15, I guess, somewhere around there is probably where I would put it. I wouldn't wish this matchup on anybody. It's it's a nightmare to try and figure out how you're going to slow Bethany down. And like you said, you almost feel like you have to play perfect offensively. That's the kind of pressure you put on yourself, and eventually you just you can't do it. Yeah, I don't know how much better the Eagles could play themselves than what they did a few weeks ago. I mean, I do know they could have closed it out better, but Bethany's going to play better at home. I would agree with you. I think this one is 15-plus. I'm going to say it's not 20. I'll say they win by 17. I'm going to go they win 92-75 to 75 in this ball game, and they make it comfortable down the stretch. It's going to take a lot for Northwestern, but hey, you know what? This is what you get for getting into the playoffs. Why? It's fun to get into the playoffs, but then right away Coach Groves and his staff are like, well, now we got to prepare for going to Bethany, and a uh, nice accomplishment, but guys, we got to get ready for this one real quick, and uh, yeah, going to be an uphill climb. All right, Superior North Central 2-3 matchup, our final one to wrap things up. Ryan Superior swept the regular season series, but they won the two games by a combined five points. Yeah. It was an absolute barn burner both times. The most recent timeout, 82-78, to where Javon Walker went nuclear for 36 points on 14 of 18 shooting. So you give me your initial thoughts, then I'll give you mine and my prediction, and then you can wrap with your pick, and that's how we'll do it. All right, initial thoughts. Uh, the first one was a great game where Javon got fouled late and they were able to escape with a win on the road. Second game, North Central had no business being in. Superior just about choked it away. They are up by a zillion. As you mentioned, Javon probably should have broken the single-game scoring record, but he didn't down the stretch. Tough ask for North Central coming into this game. It's cool, Wyatt. You got two games, North Central at Superior. So for Rams fans, you may as well travel out to see these games because you're going to get to see both your teams. See the women's first against Coach Carpenter's club, and then see Coach Becker's club against Post Kokowski's club. I think both of these teams are kind of similar in how they like to really grind defensively. I'm looking for the battle on the boards to maybe be a difference in this game, Wyatt. What say you, and what is your pick? Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of looking at the rebounds for this matchup, but to me it comes down to Ken North Central stop Javon Walker. Obviously they couldn't last time out, and they got enough from the supporting pieces to hang on and win. North Central's got dudes. I mean, Nick Feller, Tanner Holtman, Jashan Simpson, uh, Remy uh, Wedgworth-Brown, they, they got guys that can compete and potentially steal this game on the road. I expect it to be another really close game. I think it's neck and neck all the way. We see ties, lead changes. I, I really don't think one team runs away with this one. I do think it's a little bit lower scoring than the last time out. I think it's closer to maybe 70 instead of the 80s that we saw. And at the end of the day, Ryan, guard play wins in March or February, I guess February for the UMAC. It's Javon Walker's time. It's his show. He's here for these kinds of games and moments. I think he has another big game. I think Joseph Farenholtz comes to life. I mean, he's been a really weird dude to figure out this year and has been like non-existent at times, but I think he comes to life. And I think Superior wins this game. Coach Polkowski gets it done in a really hard-fought battle between two great teams. 
and Superior earns the right to take on Bethany in the championship, we will get a rematch of the title game that we saw a year ago back in Mankato. Yeah, it's definitely possible. They need more from Fahrenholtz this time around. He's now Mm -hmm. 1,000-plus points in his career after what he did against Bethany over the weekend. He had just four points the first time in this game. Not the first time. The last time they played, I should say, at the Mertz in just 17 minutes. Javon's not going to score 30-plus again. North Central's going to do better. Maybe he still scores 25. I don't exactly know what he's going to do, but other guys are going to have to step up more, and that's been the question for Superior. When you have Javon being on from the start, they have, you know— Screwed around with a lot of different starting five. Coach Pukowski's club, that is. I don't know what they're going to throw out here. Why? We've seen Max Briggs, the freshman, start some games here heading down the stretch. Does he start in a big game like this at home? I don't exactly know who that fifth guy is going to be. We know it's probably going to be Walker, Barker, Cornelius, Fahrenholtz, and then who's the fifth going to be? We'll wait and see. Fahrenholtz is going to have to do more. I feel like he does do more. I feel like he gets at least 10-plus in this ball game because I like the matchups that he has against North Central. It's been an awesome year for them, but I think they have another tight loss against Superior. Wouldn't be surprised if they win, but I think this one is within seven. But the Jackets do get the win, and it is one versus two once more. Yeah, no, I, I mean, what, if you hold Walker to 20 points, do you consider that a win if you're North Central? Uh, I mean, is you there a number you're right trying now. to keep him at? If you're, Coach Bar- <laughs> if you're Coach Becker and his staff and you say you can hold him to a clean 20, I think they take that and run it to the bank as fast as possible. Yeah, I mean, it should be a great matchup. Again, two games that were decided by a total of five points in the regular season. That's the reason why Superior is, in fact, hosting this one which could be the difference maker too. I'm sure they're going to have a great crowd on hand. It should be electric, and we'll see how North Central handles that. But definitely another one of these semifinal games that I could see going either way, and I'm not going to be surprised. So it should be a fun one. Ryan, great work as always. Appreciate you again for those listening. Let us know where you're watching, what you're looking forward to maybe this upcoming Wednesday. We'll be back, and we'll recap what we saw from Wednesday night later this week. And then, of course, we'll have the preview for the championship games when that time comes as well. But uh, let us know what you're thinking heading into the conference tournaments. You can email us, uaotheumac at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or X at unlike any other, the UMAC. And uh, we would be more than happy to take your feedback, comments, concerns, anything like that. But uh, we're looking forward to it. This is why we play. This is why we do this podcast is for these kinds. I mean, we don't do the podcast specifically for this. There's a lot of reasons why we do the podcast, but we enjoy this time of the year more than any other time in regards to UMAC athletics. These basketball tournaments are tremendous. They never disappoint. It's going to be another fun year. No doubt about that this time around as well. Have a great night, everybody, morning, day, whenever you're listening to this, and we'll catch you next time on the Unlike Any Other, the UMAC Podcast.